0: Hey, everybody, great episode of the morning show today. We talk about the issues with NFT liquidity right now and a statistic that a significant percentage of NFT buyers over the past 30 days are down over one Ethereum. So, very tough time in the NFT market right now. Beyond that, we talk about a lot of games leaving Web3. So, just trying to make heads or tails over the bear market that we're in right now, the dip that we're in. We also have a finding diamonds in the rough segment where we try to identify what NFT project is going to go up the most in the next 90 days. The show is sponsored by Phantom Wallet, the official wallet partner of Bodogos and the Nifty. Go to phantom.app to sign up for Phantom and import your Ethereum seed phrase today. If you go to nifty.com slash claim and put in the password brave88, you can claim today's free NFT. That's brave88. Hope you enjoy the show. So it looks like there's this new AI startup that actually made an entire episode of of South Park with no voice actors, no writers, no animators, just the whole episode built by the software. Is is that right?
1: Dude, this thing caught me so off guard. I woke up early, couldn't sleep, hit my timeline, watched a full 11-minute episode of this. And it's from a company that is called Fable Simulation. They released their full white paper as well where it just goes over how their entire like, goal here is to roll out AI content, like basically AI shows. They've talked about how it's Oculus, Pixar, and an AI team building an AI Westworld, two-time Emmy and PBD Award winners, and they show how they do it. So you can like select the various cast. They use the model and ingested all the episodes of existing South Park. And in the episode, the AI wrote an episode. So let me break this down. It's an AI episode written by AI about <laughs> deep fakes in content. Like, I know P.O. said the movie Inception sucks. Say- this is literally Inception of AI cartoons right now. And th- the episode was good. I wa- It's an 11-minute video. I never thought I'd watch a full 11-minute video on Twitter. But in it, the whole premise is that they go around to what they call C-list actors. There's like Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep, and somebody else. And the whole time, they just keep calling them A-list actors, trying to hire them for their likeness. To be deep fakes in movies they're trying to put out. It's all Cartman's idea. The voice actors are spot on. The animation's spot on, candidly. And watching it, I was like, I'm entertained by this. Top to bottom, completely entertained. Full video. If you haven't seen it, I think their app is at Fable Simulation. It's worth the watch. And the white paper's even better. They have like a multi part breakdown of how they actually did the episode where they like drop characters and scenes they have. And it looks extremely user friendly. And this thing is like, to me, I'm like, holy shit. If this is cost-effective, you're going to see some quality content just churned out r- r- wicked quick.
2: I'm having a little of a you know, uh, crisis over here. And what are what us as humans? What are what are we to do? What's our purpose? These <laughs> things, these things can do this so much better.
3: Wow, I ask myself that every day, Kicks. And uh, let me tell you, uh, uh, you're never going to come up with an answer. Okay,
4: Fuck, so- dude, now I understand Buddhism. I think kicks you have to understand your purpose as an american is to consume just think what should i be doing right now and the answer is you should be buying and if you haven't if you think hmm, maybe i've bought enough the answer is no you should just be (laughs) buying more your role in society is to go out and spend 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 you're out of money no problem get a credit card spend more leverage more leverage it up baby that's that's your role in society as we learned you know uh from
3: from that episode of rick and morty yeah right Spencer is a well-known philosopher who studied philosophy in university. Um, who's your favorite philosopher, Spencer?
4: Mm, this is this is complicated. I really like uh, Tocqueville in general, but I do find uh, Slavoj Zizek, whose uh, kicks mentioned yesterday, very entertaining. Well, my that, favorite yeah. quote, we didn't get to this yesterday, but I think it's important to throw in today. My favorite quote from him, he's got this interview and he's famous for like in his interviews, the interviewer usually gets at most like five words total in the whole interview. he will just rant the whole time. And one time he, he, he mentioned, it, he says, you know, I, I talk very fast and I speak and I never let you speak because I think if I pause for a moment to let you speak, you'll realize for a moment that nothing I've said has made any sense. And if I give you the time to realize that I'm done for. And you know, I think that there's a few a few people on Twitter that kind of take the same approach, right? If you let people think too long, they'll find the flaws in the thing you're saying. But if you keep giving them new ideas, then how can they find the flaws? They're always thinking about the new thing that you said. So it's really important that you just never let anyone else talk. I that's the new philosophy.
0: I love it when you know, like, brilliant. Leaders in their respective fields basically say that they they don't know anything and you know acknowledge um, you know they have that self awareness. I love that. That's hilarious. Um, real quick, uh, I wanted to point out. So, Mr. Beast Feastables. We talk about Mr. Beast on this show from time to time. He's the number one content creator in the world. Mr. Beast Feastables are quickly on the path to be like one of the most successful products launched in the last year in the entire world. They launched in the UK 10 days ago. They've been selling out of every single retail store that they've hit. Uh, Mr. Beast also said that that Hershey is doing taste tests with the Hershey Chocolates and Feastables for customer market research. So he's getting the the Hershey collab. I mean, this is pretty pretty wild stuff. Nick, what do you make of the success that Mr. Beast is having with retail products?
3: I mean... It's not surprising. The real question is, is the product good? As we learned, um, Logan Paul's drink is pure poison that burns through the bottom of plastic bottles. That was complete nonsense that we said on the show the other day. I I don't know if that's actually uh, true. Uh, Separately, Logan Paul actually came out and said uh, that, like, apparently all the stuff that had come out about it was completely fake. For example... um, that uh, there were complaints about the quality of his prime energy drink in canada and he was like well here's the thing we don't sell in canada so those were uh illegally acquired or fake versions of our energy energy drink uh was a comment that he said i, I don't know if the quality of his drink is good uh i do know that bunny uh thrives on uh that drink in particular the real question here is for Bunny. Have you had Feastables? Oh, yeah. Dude. My
5: son loves Feastables. So to be honest, the it's a small candy bar. It's not that good. It's kind of overpriced, right? Like I was, I was just guessing
2: stuff. that Feastables was Lunchables for fat kids. I would never heard of that before.
5: And then also with the Prime stuff, the, the biggest mix up was it was like people were conflating the sports drink, like the sports hydration drink with the energy drink. Right, people were thinking that the 15 grams of caffeine was in the hydration drink when it's in the energy drink, and that's not really marketed for kid. Like, if you're a parent and you're giving your kid, like the energy drink is like a Red Bull. Like, yeah, I don't know who would give the kid that. So. That's like
2: your son having a headache, and instead of giving him a Advil, you give him Adderall. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> I love how Bunny is a uh, he's an expert when it comes to all things you know, YouTuber products that are being influencer brands. It is actually pretty
6: funny. I think maybe it's just reflective of the ages of Bunny's kids. Anyway, ladies, I was going to say it totally makes sense that Feastables have gone to the UK because I haven't tried them, but just looking at that package, it really like, it's very nostalgic to the type of chocolate I would buy for like 70 cents when I was a kid, but obviously it doesn't cost 70 cents. But if you were to eat that now as an adult, you would just think that it tastes like A really bad version of Twix or a really bad version of Kit Kat. Like, I am, I'm not a Hershey's fan personally. I find the chocolate to taste like, it doesn't taste like chocolate, basically. (laughs) I say that, I say that with love, but I feel like Hershey doesn't taste like chocolate. So I'm not kind of surprised there's a partnership there. But I feel like if you were to take that product and put it in Switzerland or Belgium, I'm not sure how the sales would do. But in the UK, that is the perfect market for like, Chocolate, which is kind of like mediocre, but people who love to snack, which is the British, they love to snack, would snack on that and it would hit all target agents. So but, the UK market being sold out totally makes sense.
3: So there is isn't I, a I, partnership with Hershey's, first of all, that, that's not the, the a messaging that he's talking about is he always compares himself to Hershey's and how they taste better. One of the key things here is that they use sugar instead of corn syrup. With, uh, with their chocolate, whereas like something like Snickers uh, uses corn syrup, they use pure uh, sugar, and a mere 22 grams of sugar per bar, which is pretty significant, but that is better than uh, consuming corn syrup. I think that's the main uh, difference um, between them and a lot of other uh, chocolates, and they also claim that uh, uh, the milk That's used in the bars is from uh, sourced from grass fed animals, is the other thing. Probably Horizon Organic. I mean, who doesn't
4: drink that? Well, my my question is this is so, like, it's like we've talked about, like, why did he make feastables, right? Like, he made feastables because he couldn't do big enough brand partnerships. So he had to become his own brand. But it's interesting to me, and this is sort of like the VC side, right? Like, why is he doing a CPG brand versus doing like a B2B SaaS company? Like is really the value of most valuable thing he could do to his audience selling chocolate. I, I find that really hard to believe. It feels like there should be higher value things. Like I think he has a higher value audience than he thinks. And it's, I've seen YouTubers over optimize for this because like as a YouTuber, you're like, okay, views, views, views. I need to serve as many many people as possible, but that's not always profit maximizing. Like it might be profit maximizing to actually just serve a very small segment of his of his audience, like a much higher value product. I don't know, right? But it, it's just interesting to me that like you see both Prime and Festivals being CPG
3: brands, which are
4: typically not like where you think of like high markups on revenue.
3: Well, the, so the the beginning of this has to do with the fact that y- you are probably right, but the majority of the audience that people are selling their uh, merch and everything else to are young kids. So you're aiming for like 10 to 16 is like the demographic that's b- purchasing these products, and they're the most. um they're they're the most responsive to advertising segments, especially from people that they care about the beauty of the YouTubers versus like, if you think of traditional television shows back when like cartoons and some of these other things were relevant, they can actually connect with those other people because they're doing real things that see, they're like real life experiences that they can feel inspired by. And then they end up buying those products associated with those, uh, with those influencers And I think they're just going for that mass appeal. I was watching um, a documentary the other day on – I'm too old for anybody on this show to actually know American Ninja Warrior. Not American – no, The
0: predecessor? Uh,
3: No, uh, American American Gladiator. Uh, So so Gladiators. That show is awesome. And uh, basically there's a documentary on Netflix, which I highly recommend watching, about the history of American Gladiator. It's so good. It's just just a a trip down – memory lane here, but what they were, uh, articulating was all of the merchandise sales goes to young kids basically. And, uh, I, I think that when you see Logan Paul, when you see who like, let's be clear, Logan Paul, well, Logan Paul now has his podcast, but when he was doing vlogging, his, his audience for, for that. And frankly, I still think with his podcast as well is, is all young kids basically. Uh, because they're the only ones that can, especially like someone like Jake Paul or someone, they're the only people that can tolerate watching these videos for an extended period of time. Mr. Beast actually makes good content. But I think the reason that a lot of us watch it or, or have watched it in the past was to understand sort of the techniques that Mr. Beast was using. Now he's just making like better and better content where it's becoming like television show level, uh, quality. And, uh, he, he also gave an example of testing narrative. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent. The bottom line is I think that's the main reason, uh, that they go after these most common th- most common goods. The problem is, is I don't know, like, uh, well, there's also a thing around like parents, parents are more educated on nutrition than they were. Like, if you think when, I don't know, when I was a kid, they're, Sometimes we'd have TV dinners. Those things are just trash. Like, I don't know if parents still even buy those um, because the quality is, like, so bad. So I, I don't know, like, how that's evolving as well. But you'll notice from both Logan Paul and from Mr. Beast, they talk about the quality of the ingredients, why this thing is healthier than the other crappy product, despite the fact that both of them are unhealthy. But... I don't know. I'm curious what people like, what you all think about that, and and, uh, yeah, that's my. Well, I can go
0: off on nutrition all day. Looked like Spencer wanted to say something.
3: Yeah, I was just, I was going to say this. Look, I
4: mean, you know, the quality, the healthy chocolate bars and 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 Red Bull competitors, right? Like, I don't know. But what what, what, my point here, Nick, before was like, I think it would be interesting. Like, what if you weaponize the youth to go sell like 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 SaaS products to their parents, right? Like, just make it be like, all right, kids, you got to go out and sell. Our our off-brand Slack. Mr. B Salesforce uh, to go. <laughs> I don't know. Like that, that feels higher EV to me.
3: Um, th- that's something a VC would say. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't but, know. But like, I, I don't. I don't think that's the the approach. I think the reality is you're trying to buy things that kids would purchase on a repeat basis, where the uh, customer lifetime value. You know, the average customer value of a Slack subscriber is is actually pretty like ludicrously high. Ah, uh, to be to be completely honest, it's like it's at least five or ten dollars a month per user, which is just obscene. Um, so so that means their annual uh, value is something like sixty bucks. But I, you can ask, um, Bonnie oh, wait, here, how how often, how many uh, Prime Energy drinks do you buy per year, and how many? Feastables chocolate bars. Do you think you'll buy per year?
0: Yeah, if you can start selling stuff to children, and Bunny's basically a child, that's going to be your target market. Bunny, would you? Uh, what would you say your, your buys are?
5: Okay, real real quick. I don't think anyone is like, dude. If my son was shilling me a, a Mr. B Salesforce. I'd be like, what the hell is he talking about, right, dude? Like, I feel like the highest, like the the high majority of marketing appeal for Feastables comes from kids being like able to say these nuts, right? Like, that's the name of the one flavor of the of the peanut butter candy bar. It's literally yes. called nuts. like the high value approach is insane to me. that's an insane opinion spencer like there's no <laughs> way that would be a better avenue watch it's just like a free pass for him to say these nuts right like where he doesn't get in trouble like i, I don't know
0: i want to go on record real quick we can hear from kicks in a second this is probably the one time ever on this show i've like really really strongly agreed with bunny over Spencer on a take. Like, basically, Bunny and Spencer both issued takes on a topic, and I'm all in in Bunny's camp here. This is, like, actually a a memorable moment for me.
3: Uh, Well, Kix, you were going to say something, but real quick, uh, the the thing I was going to say is can you imagine your child being like, hey, Dad, Uh, when you're thinking of enterprise (laughs) database solutions, what company comes to mind, Dad? And you're like, I don't know, uh, Oracle. Oracle." And and he's like, that's true. But there's an up and coming company, which is really providing some great open source database offerings, which has been powering some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies, dad. And so uh, you should go to your company and talk to them about that.
0: (laughs) Mr. Beast database.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can just see it like Bunny's kid pulling up on him being like, dad. I have an extensive list of friends and potential contacts in Roblox, and the only way to properly manage these is with MrBeast database. It's one of the leading premier SaaS solutions that all kids are using in our virtual world. Uh, sounds like a buy to me
0: absolutely hilarious. Um, Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to discuss today on the show the continued NFT market dip. We're going to look for any possible buy opportunities. We're going to discuss the recent exodus of Web3 gaming developers and the $100 million Ethereum whale waking up after eight years. I saw a D-God holder post like the screenshot of that whale moving, you know, the transaction of him moving the ETH. And he just like wrote, he's going to sweep D-gods that would be hilarious if someone that's been like the the eth hasn't been moved for 10 years and the dude just takes a bong rips like all right time to time to sweep some D-gods here but anyway real quick ladies and gentlemen just want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's show phantom wallet the official wallet partner of Bodogos and the Nifty. Phantom is, of course, the leading wallet on Solana, bringing its millions of users, a superior user experience and NFT features to both Ethereum and Polygon. With Phantom, it's very easy to view your NFTs across all these networks and manage them in one convenient wallet. You no longer need to suffer from constantly switching around wallets. Uh, If you have Bodogos, you don't have to switch between your wallets for Bodogos. All of them can live in Phantom Wallet and you can take advantage of Phantom features. Uh, You can use the browser extension or the world-class apps for both iOS and Android and access your wallet from anywhere. You can also search and pin your NFTs and hide spam to keep your collection organized. Because of the incredible UI, you don't have to deal with the hassle of multiple seed phrases. Also, you can just import your seed phrase to Phantom. So go and import your Ethereum seed phrase to Phantom. The upgrade is simple go to phantom.app install phantom wallet and import your existing ethereum seed phrase it's that simple shout out to Phantom uh, you know the official wallet partner of Bodogos and the nifty we got the weather report here on deck signal please take it away
6: Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but if I had a wallet that had been dormant for eight years, good luck remembering that password because I would not have remembered it. And this was probably before like password managers. So, you know, kudos to the guy for uh, remembering the password after eight years. But on to market uh, volume and what's been going on. Today is Wednesday, the 19th of July. Total market volume coming in at 20 million. Blur down at 11.3. OpenSea now in the 2.8. Eight range, which is pretty low. Onto leaders, uh, not too much change, but apes at 33.2, mutants just shy of six, ETH, uh, hanging out at 4.9, while punks as sub-50 at 49.8. you got D-Gods coming down from uh, that big sweep last week there at 8.6. Azuki now in a 5 ETH range at 5.3. That's quite a fall. Captains holding steady at 6.1 and Pudgies as well, steady at 3.8. Over the past 24 hours, well, despite top PFP seeing huge losses over on the ETH side, Polygon's new mint, Pluto, well, was a 2x win for Minters overnight after the Polygon team invested and bought into their collection as well. Pluto is up from 0.08 up to 0.16. Good old fashioned uh, a sniper and collecting there, not having to do any all sort of that gas, gas war stuff. Uh, over in the fashion industry, Louis Vuitton has released its first digital collection that has been designed by the new menswear creative director Pharrell the exclusive bag is going to be claimable in January for people and unlike the treasure trunks uh, from previously before, this collectible is actually going to be tradable on secondary but hasn't had much action yet Uh, following last week's news of Sega's departure from Web3 we're seeing even more Web3 games uh, recently leave the space including Homer Games, Sony and Neopets, will we see more gaming companies come in or will be more of an exodus as we go into these last six months. And then lastly, we're talking about it earlier, but 116 million worth of ETH was moved from a wallet, which was dormant for eight years over to Kraken. The person who was in control of that wallet moved 116 million in a single transaction, apparently not even a test, just boom. 116 off it goes. On to crypto, BTC at 30K, ETH at 1900, Solana at 26.4, and Ape at two. Pretty steady over there. And that is all for the weather report. Back to you, folks.
0: Fantastic weather report, as usual. Signal. Uh, some updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. If you go to the nifty.com, and register your email, that's how you'll get access to the newsletter. That's also how you'll get access to the free NFTs that we drop on this show almost every single day, including today, so make sure you go to nifty.com and create an account. First story, Proof released a teaser for Grails Season 4. This is the popular mint mechanic where pass holders have one week to select an artwork, each created by a different mystery artist, and the artist's names are not revealed until after the selection process ends. Uh, if I could weigh in on this, I've always thought that this was cool and fun, and it's great to see the Proof ecosystem continuing to do it. A second story, FutureVerse. A metaverse startup formed from the merger of eleven firms has raised. Clemente, is this is this accurate? This yeah. is wow, fifty-four million dollar fundraise in a Series A round, aiming to blend AI and blockchain to shape the metaverse experience.
3: Damn,
2: that's you know, a- even more interesting about that. Pio, it's, it's a merger of eight company, like eight companies. How do you
3: even pull that off? Uh, <laughs> what you do is you uh, let me let me explain real quick. You screw over everybody in the process. You roll that up into a singular company, and then you, uh, uh, yeah, you just do a classic roll up, and uh, bada bing, bada boom. You got a bunch of entities there, which are you know at least twenty uh, percent as good as they were um, when they uh, w- when they were existing on their own. And if you do greater than five, that means you have greater than one hundred percent of the value there. So it's pretty good.
0: There you go. Uh, Well, that is a monster fundraise. That's crazy. Uh,
4: Spencer, what do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting, right? Um, It's look, it's impressive that they were able to raise that amount of money in this market. Um, Am I, Super bullish on it. I don't know. I think it's 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 interesting. I think Nick's actually like spot on here, right? Like, how do you do that? Well, you get someone to give you a lot of money at a very high valuation, and then you go and you use your equity at that high valuation to go buy other companies, right? Um, I think we will see more of these sort of SPAC mergery type plays, right? Which is kind of what this is. Although they didn't even really maybe buy some of these companies. Um, you know, I've heard this pitched as like a you know a real competitor to the other side. I'm a little skeptical about it. But what was really shocking to me was how little this announcement moved price yesterday on any of the related collections, right? You've got like the Fluff World collection, you've got like Cool Cats heavily involved, um, but also like, like, like this has kind of been known, right? Like, I, I thought they announced. Am, am I wrong in thinking they made part of this announcement before? Like, it-
3: they they keep coming out with these part with these announcements. I mean. If they use the money to buy some of these companies, then they definitely, I I, I don't know. Um, Is is this news? Well, yeah, it came out in Bloomberg yesterday, and then now I guess it became available uh, via uh, TechCrunch or something like that. Um, But, yeah, it is is news. They had this roll-up before. Um, A lot of the, you know, the the primary people that were um, uh, excited about this were those with the uh, whatever the bunny project is,
0: future uh, uh, fluff world,
3: fluff world, and then the um, the the like were a bunch of cool cats people being like, yeah, here's to our new overlords. Basically, I've <laughs> um, I'ven't I I haven't received a single apology from anybody in the cool cats community um, for uh, posting about that, but you know. I I don't need
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, so we'll dive in here. Here's a quick hitter from uh, Clemente. So we talked about this earlier. 61,000 ETH, roughly $116 bucks in a dormant wallet, was moved after eight years of inactivity. Uh, The latest update was that they sent the ETH to Kraken, although people are unsure whether this is to stake the ETH or sell it off. I don't know. What do you guys make of the story? Like, how much do we care about, you know, dormant crypto moving wallet stories? I mean, they are interesting. It definitely is interesting. Sig? The
6: bit, the bit that got me was a single transaction. I'm just like... I know, I right? Send, I can't even send one ETH without doing a test. <laughs> this person's just like 116 million. Boop, oh, my bleep. Like, I mean, it, look, it's... Uh, it's interesting timing. Uh, obviously, you've got ECC happening right now as well. Uh, you know, uh, Vitalik is speaking at, uh, at the conference. don't know if that has anything to do with it. It's it's, you, it's very difficult to correlate these movements in wallets to a single event or to something that's going on. Um, these stories come up from time to time, but they don't really move the market or anything. I feel like it's a bit of a nothing burger, but it's always interesting when these stories come up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. People just love that headline, you know. Yeah, one hundred million dollars. I mean, it's a good headline. A hundred million dollars of dormant ETH moves for the first time in nine years, or what? Like, that's a pretty good, like, headline right there. Kicks. I don't know. I just,
2: I just feel like, I mean, first of all, I never would have diamond handed it that long, so I, I, I wouldn't be this person. But if I was this person, I feel like I wouldn't send all a hundred million. Uh, A in one tr- transaction, like Signal said, but B to like one exchange. I feel like mm. you know, even if I was doing you know the stake to uh, stake to earn, um, I would do it across multiple. I would like de-risk across multiple um, offerings. You know, um, who knows? Maybe they're selling it all and they're going to get some treasury bills or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it is it is just it, wild, interesting stories. So, I mean, that person bought it at the e- e- uh, ICO.
0: Of ETH, Yeah, basically. Yeah.
2: Right around then and just didn't touch it. Just never, never touched it. I would have to think that this is a person that probably this is like one of their eight wallets. That's the only thing that makes sense to me is that this person has a shit ton of ETH and a shit ton of money. And this is just one of their many wallets that they loaded up in 2016.
0: Yeah, you got to think if they put twenty five thousand dollars in or something like that, you know, an amount of money that's obviously significant, but at the same time, to somebody that has a relatively high net worth, not big of an invest, you know, not that big of an investment, uh, they they got a lot of ETH for that if they bought it extremely early on. They got quite smart.
2: Right? So if Shamoth like rolls a SPAC up in the next month or two, and then you'll know it's him for sure.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, and I guess it w- would probably actually be more than twenty five thousand. Look, Easy posted a tweet. It showed it was a visual that uh, showed that in the last thirty days, over ninety two percent of ETH NFT wallets have a realized or unrealized loss of over one Ethereum. Uh, I had said on the show the other day that I felt like there was a greater than seventy five percent chance that if you bought any NFT right now, the price would go down. And- and I, I think I was like trying to be nice and almost trying to be like politically correct by saying that, but I guess I was wrong. The correct answer was there's a 99.9% chance that if you buy an NFT, the price goes down. Um, Cause this is 92% have a loss of over one ETH. So a $2,000 loss if you bought an NFT in the past 30 days, that's going to attract new investors. Uh, Easy, what do you make of this graphic? This is pretty gnarly, right? It's wild. I mean, it's not that
1: surprising be honest, um you look at the market right now we're we're definitely in this like depression and boredom phase, I think as far as like the market goes, you're seeing a lot of people actually kind of tap out right now, which is not surprising at all uh, <laughs> well we-
0: well, it's pretty easy to tap out if you buy something and what that means is you're down two thousand u s dollars
1: yeah, oh, for sure, like that's uh you know I mean if I'm buying it and it immediately goes to zero, I'm definitely not having a good time that's for sure, but I still look at something like this and it's like you see a lot of people shifting over to coins. You see a lot of people shifting over to airdrop farming. A lot of people shifting over to a lot of DeFi. And I just think people right now are just kind of trying to capitalize on the tokens themselves. And that's the big move. Like people are looking for higher upside on the underlying token. which is kind of pushing them away from the NFT space for the, this kind of cycle. It's, it's also crazy. Cause you see a lot of people who are basically just like NFTs are never coming back. These things are completely dead, all these comments on it. But at the same time, like we've only seen one cycle and it was the mania phase. And like, it, this really like the feeling I'm getting right now is exactly what 17 and 18 felt like when a lot of people were leaving right before DeFi summer on E, which was one of the biggest kind of runs. And we actually saw gambling tokens ramp really hard on my 5 p.m. show. We had Elio Trades on, and he was talking about this too. Because on Soul, you're seeing a bunch of gambling tokens run with Soul Casino. We're seeing the Roll Bit token up 600%. And these things kind of like have are currently showing a cycle,
3: much like what we saw last time. So the, uh, I, I did the math the other day on my uh, CryptoPunk trade, which we've often hailed as a great trade.
0: Well, it was for a period of time.
3: Yeah. I could, I could have just bought ETH, basically, would have been the uh, better trade, ultimately. And I wonder, to some large degree, whether or not that really is the trade uh, for most of these things. And nfts the name of the game is, how do I get people to give me their crypto <laughs> for nothing, basically? and uh and then hold on to that crypto because that's going to uh appreciate more significantly um it, it's it's tough in the uh, nft space and on the losses front i was looking at my like my hot wallet uh nfts and it's just bad like it's ugly what's going on in that wallet and and i easily probably spent thousands of dollars just into nowhere basically with with um a, a lot of them yeah and and, the, and with uh azuki going down right now i think it that you know as that's gone so has most of the market and all of the pumps that we've discussed have inev- inevitably disappeared and they've been incredibly short-lived on pretty much every single project like i can't think of any project, which is maybe the D- gods is the only one that has sustained at this moment in time. Um, dur- during this entire, uh, bear market, we see temporary momentum. Like Pudgy the other day was uh, above four heads to like four and a half or something like that. Boom, immediately back down to 3.8 or wherever it is. You have, uh, Moonbirds, uh, was like, there was a moment where everyone was like, Oh wow, I guess this is a great thing. Pumps up to two E from, uh, from like 1.3, it hit. It's now back down to 1.56. Now it's not as low as it was, but like it, all of these things, like the chart of all of them, follows the exact same path. It's like smaller, smaller spike, lower lows, smaller spike, lower lows, basically. And that's every single NFT chart on um, ETH and Solana. It, it's it's everywhere that you look, and so that's a difficult. Uh, market to trade in. Basically, the only way that you make money is you need to be buying right before the news happens and sell into immediately. That news. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the only way that it works right now. I, I like. I I love having the CryptoPunk exposure for the um whenever the bull market returns. Um, but yeah, it, it would have been better for me just to have uh, uh bought the ETH and I, and right now a lot of my purchases are going to tokens over uh, NFTs just because for whatever uh, reason, I feel more secure in those than I do. Well, with... what do you mean
0: What for whatever reason? I mean, it, it's it's orders of magna- magnitude less risky to buy like Bitcoin or Ethereum versus... Because yeah, c- a... it's
3: um, immediately liquid on most of them. And also the price usually... Well, th- it, there's equal price volatility that occurs. But over time, like it, it, it doesn't... Uh, it's not as bad as the NFTs, also.
0: I think. Yeah. I mean, Spencer, what, what are your thoughts on this?
4: Yeah. I mean, look, right? Like, the question to me is you know, I think it gets increasingly hard to buy NFTs as close as we get to the blur airdrop. Um, and the question is, is there a lot of sideline liquidity that's just like, hey, NFTs are untouchable until the, the second blur airdrop because everyone's just going to dump and there's going to be this huge qu- liquidity crunch? I think that's a reasonable thesis to have, right? The counter argument could be, okay, well, actually right now, because everyone's so trepidatious, NFTs are like way oversold and therefore you should be like, 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 now is the time to buy because after the second Blur airdrop, there may be all this sideline liquidity that comes back in and buys them, right? Like those are kind of the two things that I'm thinking. I think the other sentiment that I'm seeing increasingly is just people who are like really like focused on where they think the price of... um Of uh, or they think the price of ETH is going. So like, if you think ETH is going to have a huge swing, which you know ETH or Bitcoin or or whatever you think, right? Like that could also, you know, people people might sell off NFTs to go there. And so like, if the argument is focus is just increasingly shifting off NFTs, I would say, and you can disagree with this obviously, but I would say that like that means that there's got to be some point in which it's overcompensated, where there's like too little attention on NFTs, and that's when there's a lot of opportunities in the market, right? And so. When do you think that moment happens, and do you think that moment happens at all? Right, I, I, I'm not a believer at all. The NFTs are gone or dead. Of course, I could be a believer that certain projects are gone or dead. But yep. what's going on right now is this just, just blanket statements about all of the collections, and so some of them have to be wrong, right? Um, maybe not. Maybe 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 I'm a fool, right? But I think the idea here is like what you should be doing now is just evaluating what collections could not be dead in the next cycle, and then when the whole market sells off, they're probably oversold.
0: I love it, and uh, I should just go on record and make sure that I communicate this. Every time people just say terrible takes, that that's like, you know, literally, Bitcoin is gonna go to zero, Ethereum's gonna go to zero, all of crypto is a scam, like all these terrible takes, and that's what these NFT takes are. Does that mean that random NFT collection XYZ is going to ever pump again? absolutely not right but it it does mean that the market for nfts is going to exist i mean i brought this up on the show before i we i was in a meeting with one of our investors who's been a crypto you know they've been investing in crypto uh companies crypto startups for i think probably like at least 10 years uh, or something like that like they were early on some really big names and he just like let out a little bit of like a, a half sigh and like a little smirk and he was just like we have the same conversation every three years. And it's just so true. And the, the, I've been saying this for a long time. The people that are active participants in this market, the people that are posting on Twitter, the people that are buying and selling NFTs and crypto tokens, 90 plus percent of them don't understand what's going on at all. They're literally just buying random stuff casino style to try to make more fiat currency profits and probably losing money in the process. You see it every time there's a major pullback. You'll see people say, this is all just a casino. This is all a scam. There's no point to this, blah, blah, blah. They have no clue which way is up. And that's why, even though they're an early adopter in the sense that they're buying and selling crypto and NFT assets left and right, they don't end up rich on the other end. You know, you have to actually know what the hell is going on to end up rich. Kix, it looks like you wanted to add something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I just I I feel like we're we're definitely in like the 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 depression phase, and I think that there's just so much opportunity, and we're we're so early in terms of like some of these mechanics. I frankly just think that there's not there's not any significant amount of new money coming in, and the existing money is just like bored, and or at least a lot of it's bored and burnout on just like the same thing over and over and over again without like any innovation eventually it just gets it gets so boring that you can't even the, the best shillers can't even attach like an interesting narrative to it you know like when i just think about like over the last like year what are the most interesting things that like came out via nfts right and i still think it's like what jack butcher Did with like Opepin and checks like that was actually new and innovative. And what what the punks I always butcher the name six one five nine or whatever did with uh uh seize the memes. You know what I mean? And that like auction kind of like style and the more that you hold and stuff like that. Those were actually like trying different things and like trying different applications. And I just think that in the in the bear market, what you're going to see is it's going to force people to actually try some like interesting things out. Like one of the things I was thinking about is just that we're like still stuck to this like eight to 10 K fixed supply PFP kind of meta. Right. And there's so many other things that you can p- potentially do with, uh, do with it. Cause one of the biggest issues is like, why can't we get more people buying NFTs? Well, it's like on a certain project if like 10 new buyers want to come in, the floor price goes from a half an ETH to an ETH. It's just, And that's what caused the bull run to be so profitable because it's such an an in in liquid, a liquid constrained supply that any amount of new people that want to come in just sends it to the moon. But like in three years from now, that model may be considered like super archaic. There may be a completely new model that is used for you know digital um, identities. But I think it's exciting because I think that once we get down to like this level, there's less noise of bullshit and it's easier to find the signal of projects doing actually, you know, interesting things. So I think that it's going to be, uh, I'm hoping that like in the next six months, there's going to be some really cool new things that come out that that feel different, that feel innovative, that aren't just copy paste formats that we've seen a million times. Because I, I was one of the biggest traders in 2021. And then I slowed down in 2022 because I was, you know, running my own businesses, but I still traded pretty frequently. You know what I mean? Like in August, I bought DigiDiGaku, bought a bunch of those, right? In November, I bought trump nfts there was stuff that i was still buying dude like other than vessels i don't think i've made a serious nft buy in like three months i i'm being dead serious and it's not because i'm not polish on nfts i'm here full time in the space it's just that there's nothing that really can get me excited and you know I'm, i'm just gonna continue to sit in my hands until that happens but i i am betting my career that there will be lots of exciting things to happen in the future it's just it's not surprising to me that we're in this kind of depression phase when just nothing different's happening than from 2021. Like the exact same things that we were trading in 2021 are still the exact same things that we are trading and launching in 2023 and trying to make them seem exciting when they're just not.
0: And you pair that with the where we're at in the cycle. I want to talk, since you're a, a CEO of a gaming NFT business, I want to talk about the large amount of games that are leaving to Web3. I'd also love to hear the way Spencer thinks about investing in gaming entities, you know, from an institutional perspective. But Kix, it sounds like, so Sega left. I didn't even know that they were in, quite frankly. Yeah, so- they
2: didn't have like a project live. I guess just like during the NFT gaming bull run, they said that they were working on a game in the NFT space. And basically, the CEO comes out and said, they've canned that game um, because they think Play to Earn is dead or something like that. But like external third parties that license their IP may still be doing stuff in Web3. So that's what he said. Um, And then recently, over the past week, uh, Homa Games, which came in and was supposed to be like a really big mobile gaming company and they've had 150 million downloads this year and they made a splash into web three. They've canned their web three project. Um, so that news released over the past couple of days and then Neopets said that they're, that they're leaving, but the the Sega thing, maybe you can be whatever about but like home games. I never heard about them before they launched a web three project and like Neopets, that thing's been dead and resurrected like, 100 times. I would be much more concerned if, like, EVE Online, right? EVE Online got $40 million to build a Web3 AAA game, right? If they were pulling the plug on that project, that's way more concerning than some of these other projects. Like, I didn't know this fact, but Neopets, they raised $4 million to build a game in Web3. They also did a Solana mint. They were going to try to mint, like, 20,000 NFTs, couldn't sell it, cut it to 10,000, couldn't sell it, cut it to 4,500, finally were able to sell out. But then I found a Reddit article saying that these guys did a NFT or crypto thing even before that, in like 2018 or 2017. So these guys just come back and just rake off some money off the top and then never <laughs> launch everything every couple of years. And I think that's the thing. is like, you know, you probably don't want to be excited about Neopets. Let's be honest. Like if they haven't been able to build an interesting game since their original it game 20 years ago. Sounds like they
0: haven't tried.
2: Yeah, yeah. it sounds like basically their company probably went bankrupt and some company probably bought the IP, you know what I mean? And they're just milking the IP without actually ever trying to build Neopets again. But I mean, I think the reality of the situation is that the, the companies that are going to do the most interesting things with Web3 games are probably going to be the native companies. It's going to be Axie Infinity. It's not going to be Sony. It's not going to be Sega. A- at right? least at first. Yes, the other people will create the playbook and then the big players will come in and copy the proven to work playbook, right? And that happens in all industries. So, I, you know, some people are seeing these news and like, oh man, this is like, you know, I I think it's just reality of like a lot of these projects just came in when the sun was out and are leaving when there's a thunderstorm. You know what I mean? And uh, I I think if anything, you should just continue to look at the companies that are like native to the space and are building in this space once again, like Axie Infinity with as much shit as they get. They were the number one game in Web3. Oh, yeah. Not only that, their secondary volume is still higher than Bordeaux Yacht Club to this day, still higher than Bordeaux Yacht Club. Their secondary volume number one in the entire NFT space. And they're still here building, working on like totally new and novel things. And if you had gotten into them in like 2020 when they were first starting out, they or were just, before, like, yeah. Small, yeah, they were a small indie studio, just like building and growing. Th- these are the kind of projects. Uh, that you want to be looking for when we're going into the next NFT gaming cycle. You don't want to be looking at Neopets.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that was incredibly well put, Kicks. No surprise, given you are the CEO of Crypto Raiders Gaming Studio. Spencer, you know, when I kind of think about the way I, I see you operate your fund, right, it seems like the most of your exposure, if not all of your exposure, is to what I would call extremely high-end digital collectibles, right? So it's not the fine art side, right? You're not buying a bunch of one ones off of super rare um, I, don't, I don't even think you're, you're buying necessarily like art blocks, even though it, it is the fine art side, but more kind of collectible, collectible in the sense that there's like thousands of them and they are in individual collections. Um, but are you interested in gaming? Are you kind of sticking to that high end collectibles uh, corner of the market?
4: Yeah, I mean I think gaming is really interesting. And I think it's it's crazy to me like you can't have a gaming discussion in web three without talking about Animoca, right? Like sure. If Animoca leaves the space, okay, we have a problem, right? Oh like, yeah. It, you know, and this is this is what do you think is gonna happen? Is like the, the bet here is that increasingly new developers are using Web3 as interesting financing mechanisms. Like this has always been my take on NFTs. NFTs are great collectibles, but they're really interesting financing mechanisms to build a company, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, does having tradable assets in a game change the game economy, right? Like that's that's one thing. That's kind of its own separate question. But really where this is interesting is like, how do you own assets that like have some reflection on the game? And, 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 and who's actually building something that could be AAA, right? Like Animoca has by far the most titles under it of something interesting. Now, the challenge and the bridge here is that NFTs exist in a lot of different ways, right? And so there's NFTs that we talk about as like speculative financial assets. And there's NFTs that are just like you know, interesting use cases for having on-chain technology that like probably are not designed to have secondary price market or volume, right? And so, you know, Axie is a good use case of it did really well in the last cycle, had all this volume, et cetera, et cetera. But
0: Made a mistake. the
4: reason that it's fallen off now is because the financialization of the assets meant that as soon as it stopped like printing money for you for playing, like people stopped playing, right? So my take has always been that we're in this like interesting phase where people are just going to try stuff And, like, what you really need is you need the next Overwatch. You need the next Fortnite. You need the next League of Legends. Something like that. StarCraft. Like, there are not that many games that are very good ever, right? Like, if you think about, you know, I always think about this, right? Nintendo Switch, right? How many games does Nintendo have, right? Between Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Mario Party, Legend of Zelda, Pokemon, that's, like, 99% of all playtime on the Nintendo Switch. There's hundreds of other titles, but that's 99% of playtime, right? So... We're just not yet at a stage where people have figured out the right way to include NFTs in their product. I think it will happen. I, I, I would love to have good NFT game thesis exposure, but I think I've not been sold yet on the idea that buying NFTs is the best exposure to the idea that NFTs will ultimately play a big role in games. And But I do think that whoever really figures that out well has a huge leg up on the competition. But the real golden goose here and the hard thing and this is where like i'm not you know diligencing video game investments right that's not what i do professionally um and so this is like it's tough to say who's going to build a good game it's kind of like hollywood movies right like who's going to make a good movie everyone's going to come out oh i got whatever right like you know at the end of the day it's 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 and even the best people at it miss 90 percent of the time right so like if you're not building a dedicated diversified portfolio with the sole thesis of hitting that one game win it's kind of hard that being said i'm very interested to see you know like Yuga Labs, for example, what they're doing—you um, know—they're having this sort of premium collectible, this coin in market, and they're trying to do a game ecosystem play. I don't know how that will play out. I have some skepticisms. I'm excited for Legends of Mara. I don't think Heavy Metal is hitting for me the way that it could, but like they're trying stuff, and they're trying stuff with a lot of resources and it's high budget, right? Like this is where we're at in the space today. We are in the early innings. We are two years into NFTs being like a real serious asset class that people are like involved with, and like. Obviously, we don't know the best way to use them yet. Think about, like, the early 2000s for tech, right? Yeah. How many companies went public with just a domain name? Literally. Like, like literally, right? And so, like, I don't know, like... Yeah. That's kind of my rant about where we're at. No, I I, I think it's really tough to trade video game assets as NFTs.
0: It's a great rant. And then uh, one other, you know, analogy I would make, you brought up the idea of it being, uh, you know, fundraising for movies, for example. Like, obviously, a lot of people say that they can make movies, but how many of those movies end up being hit movies and how many movies end up losing money? And the answer is quite a few, especially nowadays, where people aren't going to the movie theater as much. That's why you just see them pumping out existing IP like Spider-Man, Marvel, now Barbie, just pumping out IP that they know is going to sell no matter what because they need that sure thing. Another analogy I think would be appropriate would be like uh, professional sports, you know, teams drafting players. These are the best scouts in the world, the best general managers in the world, the top people in their profession And yet 90% of draft picks don't end up having long careers, right? So it's like at the end of the day, it's just so hard to do. And that's kind of what venture capital looks like. And that's what the NFT space looks like. Also, during my rant of how I said that people will say that this stuff is all BS, you know, and then obviously it ends up coming back. But times like right now, people say it's BS. Someone in the comments said that ordinals was just done. And it's like, that's hilarious to me. The NFT protocol built on Bitcoin's layer one is going to be done? Okay. Thanks for letting me know, buddy. I'll see you in a couple of years. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go off on my day now, understanding that ordinals is not going to work.
2: Yeah, you know why? Everyone's so mad. It's because if on January 1st, you bought ETH, you're up 50%. If you bought a board ape, you're up like 10%. And if you just bought fucking Carvana stock, you're up 10X.
0: (laughs) Carvana. (laughs) I love that.
2: All you had to do was fucking buy Carvana stock.
0: This year, I would have never bought Carvana stock in a million years, is the thing. I just, it's just not something I could have bought ever. So it is what it is, but I wish I bought more Facebook stock. I bought Facebook stock, but not that much. Uh, Spencer, you're going to say something?
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the same thing though, right? With ordinals. It's like, okay, clearly there will be ordinals in the next cycle, but. Picking what to buy right now that's speculating on that thesis is really fucking hard. Oh, sure. oh absolutely. In- I'm not like, talking about Clearly, like- <laughs> there will be video games in the future that are big that have NFTs in them. Yeah. You can be... And like this is... You know, I, I, I had a friend too who like... They were like, oh my God, like 2016, I knew NFTs were in the future. And I loaded up on crypto kitties. right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, exactly. That's the thing, right? Yeah. You know, it wasn't obvious that you should have bought punks then. And so I think this is this is where like... like when you're trading crypto and you're trading NFTs and you're, and you're in this market, what you need to do is say, here is the long-term thesis. My long-term thesis is, I think, you know, video games will have NFTs. I think ordinals will have NFTs. I think PFPs will be big. Pick, 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 pick whatever is most compelling to you in that thesis. And then what you should spend most of your time doing is looking for what is the best exposure to that specific thesis, right? And yeah. that's the hardest part, right? And it, in some theses, it's not obvious always that there is a best exposure in the market right now, Right. So you might say, so like, for me, it's like, I want to say, okay, I think there's this specific thesis that I really like. I have it. I think it makes sense to me. And I see a way to get obvious exposure to it. And those two both have to be true because you can fall in love with a thesis and then find no way to get exposure. And I think that's what a lot of the ordinals market is today is like, I, and, and I could be wrong. Right. But I just don't see an obvious way to get exposures to ordinal being big based on the current ordinals assets. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I, I'm
0: not saying random ass ordinals project by random ass individual human being is going to be big, right? But the ordinals protocol layer one Bitcoin NFTs, yeah. I mean, come on now, guys, come on. Um, look, we got to move on here. Or oh, kicks, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say, Spencer, like you know, I, I own like one of the like first five k. 5K- in script. We're only going to be a hot deal on this thing. But I mean, it's super historic. You got to think <laughs> like, you know, if one day there's like 10 billion ordinals, like, you know, you could have one that was one of the first 5,000 ever made. Imagine having one of the first
4: 5,000 Fords that came off the, so, you know, so, assembly line. So, so, do you know about the, the NFT collection called the, um oh, the transition? he uh, knows what it's called. The, there, was, there was an NFT 10K, or it was 1K, 10K collection that minted that was there was one that was the last block on proof of work Ethereum and there was one that was the first oh, block really, of yeah, stake yeah, Ethereum. Yeah. And they're both worth fuck all right now. <laughs> yeah, but this one is truly historic. I mean, you gotta think
2: <laughs> if you're a if you're a digital, you know, uh you know, digital archaeologist <laughs> years from now, you're gonna want one of these. So la- ladies
0: ladies okay, and gentlemen,
2: how
1: much do you want for that, man? Like I'm <laughs> I'm becoming hey, more interested by the mix mix From what I bought in May. You know,
2: I'm a happy camper, dude. Maybe even just give me 50% gain, dude. I'm down with that. So, so
0: ladies and gentlemen, good bargain. Th- this is like a little bit of an inside joke uh, here at the Nifty. In our internal meetings, uh, whenever we talk about like ordinals and like satoshis, we just always have fun. Um, one of my favorite aspects that's come out of ordinals is the rare sat you know, the the salesman of rare, rare sats, like people telling you why the sat is worth so much money. And I'm not saying that it's completely, you know, total bullshit, but I do think it's really funny when it's
4: like, no, no, no you don't understand. This is
0: the Satoshi well, that, you know, yeah, you're not
4: saying that, but I'm saying it's complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to die on that. Hill. <laughs> it, it's,
0: it's one of the fun like we, we make jokes about it in internal meetings. Anytime it comes up, it's, it's pretty damn funny. It, um, it's
2: like trying to sell someone a dollar for $2 because like, the dollar has, like, two nines sequentially in, like, its ID. You know what I mean? Although, like, although you know,
4: if you have the star next to the dollar uh, in the serial number, that actually means they pulled it off the conveyor belt, and those are worth more money. Um, but I will say, if, if my, my current thinking is that if you did want exposure to this, the sats will be rare. Or, 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 like, ordinals will be big in the future. I actually think buying, figuring out what you think a rare sat is and buying a rare sat is likely a better play than buying anything with a the thesis of what's inscribed on it currently.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's very few options for things that are uh, inscribed right now. Signal, do you want to add something
6: there? Yeah, go. Yeah, I want to ask like on the gaming side of things, like maybe it's being like oversimplified, but at the end of the day for a game to break out, it has to be fun because like, I can't, I can't ask a friend to come and play, um, um, uh, like to come and play heavy metal asking them to pay however much it is to yeah. get into the game if the game is just simply not fun and I just think like sometimes in um, trying to uh well for me at least trying to analyze like what is the thesis and what's going to hit in gaming it's just a question of well, what am I hearing from everybody else that's saying this is a really fun game and we saw that with Dookie Dash it was just a fun game loop of going through the sewer uh like Spencer you absolutely loved it Easy was talking about it as well and it it, it just had that fun momentum and sometimes i think like with gaming people are perhaps like trying to assess it under the same constraints that you would do a pfp collection like you like you said spencer you're in crypto kitties but you didn't get crypto punks at yeah. that time and it's just like well yeah why would you pick up a random picture of a hoodie or a zombie of an alien at the time versus what was being talked about as a fun game
4: yeah but I, and you know of to your point signal right like I fought heavy metal a lot, but I don't think that that's because heavy metal is, like, necessarily, like, a terrible idea for them to have done. I think they're, they're picking different styles of games and executing each of them. It seems to me like Legends of Mara has a lot more development as, like, a bigger game, right? Like, we, we've been, like, 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 the whole heavy metal arc is them trying, like, shitty, like, phone games, basically, right? Like, these are all, like, really, like, simple, like, repetitive games. And that's like, and I think someone should try NFTs in the context of simple, repetitive games, right? If you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have said that was probably going to be like like Limit Break, but you know, it came out first from Heavy Metal. I think Legends of Mara is meant to be more of like a standalone, like bigger title. And that's going to be interesting. But it's also like, it's interesting to see, right? Like are board, like, do you think a board, owning a board ape is a play on his ability to execute video games? Is owning an other game to play on it like how, how do you get the exposure to the success of it and also like signal to your point right like what is success of a game right um you know it has to be fun to play but also like the community that builds around it and the narrative that like you have to feel like you're part of something right most about playing games isn't just about the strategy you're sitting down and winning right that if that was the case then there would be a lot more attrition from games because mo- the average like 50 you know, of percent people don't win right and so like like, what, what really games are about at the end of the day, the stickiest games, if you look, they have a culture around them. They have a community around them. They have something that's, like, interesting. I think that's where, like, Dookie Dash hit really well. People were posting fun clips, right? There was, like, a competitive nature. You know, every other, there was one morning where everyone on the show came on. They're like, all right, well, what was your score? What was your score? It wasn't even, did you play? It was, what was your score? Because everyone played, and you knew everyone played, because how could you be in the space and not have at least played one run of Dookie Dash, right? And so, like, that was a successful cultural phenomenon in moment. I don't think, you know, I mean, I, heavy metal has hit that same, but it's not like an unreasonable guess that they should have tried it, right? Like, this is where also, you know, building one game and having risk to one thing, you know, is different than backing something that's like a studio, right? You know, yeah. um, I don't know, there's just a lot of different stuff going on here.
6: Yeah there's a lot of different stuff and also it's like it's not it's not the company that has the deepest pockets that will necessarily necessarily win when you're talking about the movie like the movie analogy how many blockbuster summer films have you gone to see and you're like that was a waste of of my life i just had two three hours where this was you know the film that spent the most money and yet it was a huge flop and so it's not even like a question of okay I don't know if Yuga is the one that has the deepest pockets, but let's say they are, that they're necessarily going to win. But what I do like about what Yuga is doing, is, you know, saying saying what you were saying, is that they're bringing out these test games where they're seeing, okay, Dookie does well, heavy metal, maybe not, and the Legends of Mara, wait and see. And I would rather, like, place my bet on a company like that then place my bill on a company that, like you're saying, just has that one game and will it hit and get to the app store.
0: Signal, I love that movie analogy, right? Because when you look at what they do with movies now uh, to combat what you're talking about, because back in the day, you could spend a lot of money on a movie and it wouldn't do well because it was a bad movie. But now what you can do is you can make a Marvel movie or a DC movie. And no matter what, it's a bad movie. But no matter what, it makes a lot of money, right? So you can make these bad comic book movies. I mean, I, I, I would get more of a response from you guys. You guys are nodding in agreement. I'm dumping on superhero movies right now, and no, everybody no, no. loves they're superhero
6: actually, movies. They're actually backtracking. So um, I saw that Disney are actually going to stop using their best-known IP uh, and, and actually try and put out more original content because they're saying that people are getting so used to, like, the little mermaid, for example, coming out all the time. That now they're just okay, well, if we bring out, bring out another no, another little mermaid in two, three years, it's not gonna say it's not gonna make the same money. Yeah. It, thanks, Clemente, for putting for pulling that up. Um, so yeah, they need to have more original content, but raw more original content means higher risk. Higher risk, they could make a loss. Same well, you
4: know I mean? great example of this too, right? Like thinking about what are what are like trading card games, for example, that come to mind, right? One of the biggest grossing trading card games is Pokemon. Pokemon trading card game is like almost unplayable. It's <laughs> so I cannot stress to you how like bad of a game design Pokemon, like the game is. The, 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 the you know, uh, video game one is okay. The game mechanics are pretty okay, but the, the trading card game is like truly unplayable. <laughs> um, but, you know, what's the best like trading card game to come out in the last couple of years was Flesh and Blood, right? And you may or may not have heard of that. But that's okay because it's in a very specific thing. And so, like, even these like seemingly these are both trading cards that you buy in a pack or trading card games. But the thesis behind them is so wildly different. Like, one is literally like, okay, this is an IP that I like and I want to collect, and this is mostly a collectible. Whereas Flesh and Blood, if you are not playing the game, you likely don't own the cards, right? You you own the cards to play that game, and it's a well-designed game. But there's an entire huge community and an entire market and ecosystem behind that game. Just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean that it's not big and it's because it's this huge like smaller demographic and so this is where like nfts can succeed through multiple paths right you can succeed as flesh and blood or you can succeed as pokemon i think it's much easier to build an ip in a nation space than it was to build a successful game but in the next inning this becomes much harder right this is where like this next cycle and this next inning i think the good game matters a lot more right you don't see new trading card games coming out They're like hey IP based, right? That's owned by like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, right? So if you want to come out with a game, trying that IP, almost impossible. How are you going to win against Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon in the trading card game? You have to do it by having a better game, right? And so this is where like the head start that NFT companies have now on like people knowing about the, you know, the cultural phenomena of Bored Apes. Everybody knows about Bored Apes. People who don't even train NFT knows about Bored Apes, right? You're not trying to flip that. You have to beat board Apes on a different axis. And that axis has, I think, one of the like, big arguments about that axis has to be like quality of thing you put out.
0: I, I thought that was brilliant, Spencer. Love hearing a little Spencer rant right there. I also want to point out one of our commenters had a very insightful take. He said, Blur is responsible for the writer and actor strike over in Hollywood. Couldn't agree more. Uh, blame Blur when in doubt. Look, before we wrap, we're going to do a fun little segment here, Finding Diamonds in the Rough. If you had to make a pick for a collection that you'd buy during this dip with a 90-day or longer time horizon in mind, which would you buy? We got Oni Force at .88 ETH. We got Utes at 1.75 ETH. Man, Utes have been resilient. Bill Pudgies at .3 ETH. Other Side Vessels at .17 ETH. Clemente threw in Cool Cats at .75 ETH. What do you guys think? Oh, and also Clemente brought up the key by Bats Do uh, at point thirteen Ethereum. Very interesting. So that's the key by Bats Do, Oni Force, Ute's, Little Pudgies, Other Side Vessels, or Cool Cats. Easy. Which of these are you buying? Ooh, that's tough. Ute's have the season two
1: drop coming out. Vessels have Legends of Mara. The my keyboard is one I am actually very interested in, especially with the Opepin pump that's been going on. Because that was a, a list given to Opep and Holders. Um, which so yeah, which collection? My keyboard, by Bats, I believe. at three. Oh, got
0: it, got it. Yep, yep.
1: So, I mean, I'm still on the vessel The vessel bandwagon, I think, is my play here. Just because I think that game is going to be far more interactive, being a lot more user-generated content. And that's usually what drives the market, when a lot of people keep seeing these things. That's where it becomes more interesting. So um, I'm, my money's probably on Vessels at the moment. I do think you see a pump after Ute Season 2, but Vessels just feel like the most logical play, regardless of market sentiment. We've seen Heavy Metal go point four to point seven, retrace here back to point five. and that's just because Season 1 is winding down or the first part of this multi-season game um, is winding down. But I think once Legend of the Mario goes live, i become exceptionally interested and like all the components of that, especially right at the gate,
0: vessels from Easy and yeah, Clemente said that these were recommendations from the audience, so that's definitely cool. Thank you, uh, appreciate everybody listening and giving us these options. Signal which of those collections, just to refresh your mem- memory, that's by Bats, Do Only Force Utes, Little Pudgies, Other Side Vessels, or Cool Cats.
6: Uh, I would have to choose between Only Force and Utes and. I would go with the utes just because we know that uh, Frank is cooking and something is coming. Um, but I'm very surprised that they're at 1.7 even over on Polygon. Um, yeah, but very surprised. So it like I don't know if they'll be able to break two on like on whatever comes out. I don't know if they'll be able to break to and sustain two. Uh, but the fact that they're just ranging in this level in anticipation of what's to come just feels like something new. You know something new will come out, and also, you know, I remember I think it was D Farmer who put out a tweet when um they brought out the like the new branding, and how impressed he was by what the team is doing there. I think that's one of their strengths is they're very good at bringing in new people, uh, who who see them as innovative within their niche, whether that's marketing, being able to um, you know, talk about Utes in a. a like in a very specific context, like I feel like for what it's a PFP and we know PFPs are struggling and that team still managed to always get such strong momentum on their big announcements. And that's something that other teams really struggle to do. So I'm going to choose Utes. Utes,
0: Utes from, there. from a S- S- uh, signal there. A very interesting call. Spencer, I feel like you own nearly every collection here or is it literally every collection? Do you have the key by bats too? And do, do I you have
4: the that bats do so um do you have cool cats uh i personally own one cool cat but the fun doesn't hold cool cats Got um it. you know i think like so is, is the question who is most likely to go up in price or is it like what is the highest expected value i think that i have like slightly different answers there so like for for me you, know, you gotta look at where these collections are i think um the highest upside is probably vessels right like vessels it wouldn't shock me if they go to an eat I'm not saying that I think they're going to an ETH, but, like, their upside is, like, re- literally, like, 5X their full right now, right? Whereas, like, if you look at Utes, I agree. I think Utes is the most obviously, like, probably going to go up. I mean, who knows, right? But, like, like I would say if I wanted to be the safest bet of, like, something that will likely go up, Utes probably goes closer to 2 with Season 3, right? Like, it's just that, that feels like a pretty safe bet. But, like, does Utes 5X? Does Utes go to 10 ETH, like, uh probably not, right? <laughs> Whereas like, you know, Vessels reasonably could. And so I'm a little bit split between the two of them. OniForce, you know, I like in general in the long run, OniForce has held pretty well in this overall market capitulation as has, I mean, Youths have held probably the strongest. OniForce has held pretty well. Um, Little Pudgies also holding super well. So for long-term holds, I really like Little Pudgies. I mean, they're just so cheap right now. Like those could be, but like for little pudgies to go up significantly big pudgies also have to go up and that's just like a bigger ask in this market right um but them tr- anytime little pudgies are under like like 10% of a big pudgy they they look like a buy and so like it wouldn't shock me if those go to 4 you know 0. 0.4 0. 0.5 even 0. 0.7 um, and like that's a team that I think is grinding it out you have a long term thesis on but I don't know that there's like huge imminent catalysts there and so you know there's a bunch of good options on this list, but if you want like the most high volatility play, I think it's Vessels. The the risk with Vessels, though, and uh, you know, is just like Vessels are like we don't know what is the most important thing in Legends of Mara, and there's a lot of shit that like could be in Legends of Mara, right? You have all of these partner collections involved with it. We have all the 10KTF assets, all the tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of 10KTF assets, and we have these Vessels. Like if the Vessels aren't, and we have eeps and dogs and like all the like, who knows what's part of Legends of Mara so like the risk with vessels is that they're just not that big a part of whatever Legends of Mara is and like the, they can go to like close to zero like it wouldn't shock me if, if, if they come out and they're not like a key part like there's a lot of vessels there's 200,000 vessels right Damn, so, like you just told, me to, told me that before I put two eth in it <laughs> did you, you just you put
0: two eth in the vessels
4: oh, I'm down 50% already or is there a hundred thousand vessels? Is it hundred? No, I thought 000. it was
0: 45,000, but I'm, maybe I'm, or am I well, totally wrong
4: about that? Dude, are you just looking at like how many currently exist or like how many could exist if you br- bridge other seed, other deed to other deed expanded? I was just mm-hmm. looking
0: at how many currently exist.
4: I'm never buying an NFT again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, look, Spencer's given us the long and short, but is the answer still vessel Spencer? Uh, it's
4: probably vessels. I don't know. Like it, it depends. It depends on what you want. It depends on, on your your risk tolerance. The, the vessels. All right, kicks. Is what's
0: your answer? Anth- well, actually, I'll go. I'll let kicks regroup for a moment after he listen to Spencer's Harry Potter,
4: and Obama, Shino Inu Ten. Dude, <laughs> that's what I was oh, Unironically, say. unironically, <laughs> that's the real deal. Uh, wait, wait. Important question, kicks. Is the move of Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic Inu Ten, or is it Sproto Gremlin? Dude, I don't even fucking know?
2: Smoking crack on Twitter Spaces, and then you'll figure (laughs) out which one's right answer. They did,
0: Uh, Bunny. What's your response for uh, which collection?
5: I think kicks. I mean, if anything, Sproto Gremlins, right? Because anytime Bitcoin moons, Sproto Gremlins moon. Uh, It it went up to like seventy million yesterday. It's it's dipped back down to the sixties. I don't know. Might be a good spot to buy. I'm with kicks. I uh, I wouldn't hold any any NFT for that time frame right now. That sounds like
4: these are 0.66. <laughs> people, people will hate me for this. but This is actually like incredible art. Like this is this is unique. it is this is unique. The- this is like this is this, this is like a very specific era of like when people first like were like in mass using acid. That this yeah this is like very very like rare. Yeah, I mean, like this is truly unhinged in a way that like <laughs> we have not seen in quite a while. But it's actually like, like artistically, like kind of an interesting collection, right? Like <laughs> it the fact is. that these all work as like images
2: is very, very like. And, and then also artistically, the fact that their token is named Harry Potter, Obama, Shininu Ten. I may be butchering a little bit, and, and they made their ticker Bitcoin. Like there exactly. is there's artistic troll to that, and uh, that's all you had to do to uh, to make it in June, in July.
0: Very impressive. Uh, well, we got the answers from everybody on the show, even though Bunny and Kicks uh, didn't play the game properly and picked a random other project that wasn't on the list. Bunny, if you had to pick one on the list—Only Forest Youth, Lil Pudgies, Other Side Vessels, Cool Cats, The Key by Batstew—what would you, what would you pick?
5: How long do we have to hold for again?
0: Ninety days, three months.
5: Ninety days. Holy crap! Uh, I would probably, oh, dude. Season two is gonna happen. Frank can't delay it long enough uh vessels is gonna be too quick that's gonna jump i guess little pudgies i feel like th- that's the closest thing to a stable i'm like not expecting any of these to go up in price over that time frame i was just like which one do i think will go down the least i agree <laughs> with his analysis I would do little apologies.
0: There you go. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Wanted to take a minute to thank the sponsor of today's show, Phantom Wallet, the official wallet partner of Bodogos and the Nifty. When you're dealing with Ethereum and Solana crypto assets, security should be your number one priority, obviously, and that's why Phantom offers cutting-edge security features to keep your assets safe. With some of the notable personalities and Web3 professionals in this space getting hacked, Phantom has set out to create a better solution and improve on some of the security issues that many users currently face with alternative wallets. So there's a browser extension and mobile apps that offer a transaction simulator prior to completing the transaction that's designed to protect you and your extremely valuable assets from phishing attacks. Phantom also supports Ledger Mobile, ensuring your assets are kept secure, even with hardware wallets. So the user interface is super easy to understand, unlike other wallets, and it keeps you informed and in control. Also, I talked about it earlier, the support for multiple Ethereum and Solana seed phrases. You can import and manage your wallets all in one place without the need to send NFTs or transfer assets. You don't have to switch between your wallets for Bodogos. You can seamlessly manage everything in one location without leaving the app. So if you are ready to upgrade your wallet security, download Phantom by visiting the link in the pinned tweet and fund your Ethereum wallet for the ultimate NFT experience. That is phantom.app. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time, right here on Twitter Spaces, on YouTube if you want the video feed also. And if you want to share this with people outside of the Twitter universe, go uh, to Apple and Spotify for the uh, Audio podcast. Those links are all available in the NFT Morning Show Twitter account. The free NFT today, if you go to the nifty.com slash claim, the code is BRAVE88, B R A V E 88. That's the code for today's free NFT from the Long Live Solana series. Very pumped about this series. Love these free NFTs. So go to the nifty.com slash claim. Put in the code word BRAVE88. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back tomorrow for this show as we are every Monday through Friday. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone.